section forty three masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain an address delivered before the house of representatives of massachusetts by william h lewis assistant attorney-general of the united states mr speaker and members of the house of representatives the power of the house to summons forthwith any citizen of the commonwealth has never been resisted and so by designation of the honorable speaker in accordance with the order of the house i am here in answer to your summons you have invited me as a member of the liberated race to address you upon this lincoln's birthday in commemoration of the fiftieth anniversary of the emancipation proclamation words would be futile to express my deep appreciation of this high honor however unworthily bestowed twice before have i met this honorable house i came first as an humble petitioner seeking redress against discrimination on account of color you then granted my prayer some years later i came as a member of this house the last representative of my race to sit in this body you treated me then as a man and an equal and now the honors of an invited guest i shall cherish as long as memory lasts to-day is the anniversary of the birth of abraham lincoln the preserver of the union the liberator of a race the mystic cords of memory stretching from heart to heart of millions of americans at this hour swell the chorus of thanksgiving to the almighty for the life character and service of the great president for brief crucial years he represented the soul of the union struggling for immortality for perpetuity in him was the spirit of liberty struggling for a new birth among the children of men slavery must die he said that the union may live we have a union to-day because we have emancipation we have emancipation because we have a united country though nearly fifty years have elapsed since his martyr death and we see his images everywhere yet lincoln is no mere legendary figure of an heroic age done in colors cast in bronze or sculptured in marble he is a living vital force in american politics and statecraft the people repeat his wise sayings politicians invoke his principles men of many political stripes profess to be following in his footsteps we of this generation can almost see him in the flesh and blood and hear falling from his lips the sublime words of gettysburg the divine music of the second inaugural and the immortal proclamation of emancipation we see this man of mighty thews and sinews his feet firmly planted in mother earth his head 
towering in the heavens he lived among men but he walked with god he was himself intensely human but his sense of right of justice seemed to surpass the wisdom of men a true child of nature he beheld the races of men in the raw without the artificial trappings of civilization and the adventitious circumstances of birth or wealth or place and could see no difference in their natural rights the negro is a man said he my ancient faith tells me that all men are created equal as a man he was brave yet gentle strong yet tender and sympathetic with the intellect of a philosopher yet with the heart of a little child as a statesman he was prudent wise sagacious far-seeing and true as president he was firm magnanimous merciful and just as a liberator and benefactor of mankind he has no peer in all human history as lowell said in his famous commemoration ode it still must be said great captains with their guns and drums disturb our judgment for the hour but at last silence comes these are all gone and standing like a tower our children shall behold his fame the kindly earnest brave foreseeing man sagacious patient dreading praise not blame new birth of our new soil the first american there are only three great charters of freedom among anglo-saxon peoples the magna carta which the barons wrung from king john at runnymede the declaration of independence which a few colonials threw at the head of an obstinate king the emancipation proclamation which lincoln cast into the balance for the union the magna carta gave freedom to the nobility the declaration of independence brought freedom down to the plain people the proclamation of abraham lincoln set free the underman and proclaimed liberty to the slave and the serf throughout the world massachusetts had no small part in the second great charter of liberty this is attested not only by the signatures of hancock the adamses payne and gary to that great document but here are boston concord lexington and bunker hill and a thousand memorials of the revolution besides great indeed as was the part that massachusetts played in achieving independence greater still was her share in the emancipation of the slave lincoln himself said that boston had done more to bring on the war than any other city and when emancipation had been achieved he generously credited the result to the logic and moral power of garrison and the anti-slavery people this day therefore belongs to massachusetts it is a part of her glorious history emancipation was but the triumph of puritan principle the right of each individual to eat his bread out of the sweat of his own brow or not at all the history of the abolition of slavery in america could not be written with massachusetts left out the history of massachusetts herself since the revolution would be but a dreary barren waste without the chapter of her part 
in the emancipation the house does well to pause in its deliberations to commemorate this anniversary in eighteen thirty seven your predecessors threw open the old hall of representatives to the first meeting of the new england anti-slavery society a year later the legislature adopted resolutions against the slave trade for the abolition of slavery in the district of columbia and the prohibition of slavery in the territories the fathers early enacted that there should be neither bond slaves nor villainage amongst us except captives taken in just wars and those condemned judicially to serve when it was attempted to land the first cargo of slaves upon her soil the people seized them and sent them back to their own country and clime in spite of the prayers and resolutions and acts of the early fathers a form of slavery grew up here but it was milder than the english villainage it resembled apprenticeship except in the duration the slave had many of the rights of free men the right to marry and the right to testify in court either with the decision of somerset's case in england or the adoption of the first constitution of the commonwealth during the revolution that institution passed away for ever the voices of freedom were first raised here whittier lowell and longfellow sang the songs of emancipation garrison phillips and parker were the prophets and disciples of lincoln in the darkest days of slavery john quincy adams held aloft the torch of liberty and fed its flame with his own intrepid spirit sumner was the scourge of god the conscience of the state incarnate the people of massachusetts were not only idealists dreamers and moulders of public opinion but when thirty years of agitation had reached its culmination in the civil war massachusetts sent one hundred and fifty thousand of her sons to sustain upon the battlefields of the republic the ideals which she had advocated in the halls of congress in the forum and the market-place the people of massachusetts true to their history and traditions have abolished here so far as laws can do so every discrimination between race and color and every inequality between man and man i have recalled these things for no vainglorious purpose we should remind ourselves constantly that we have a history behind us that we have a character to sustain are we of this generation worthy descendants of tea spillers and abolitionists are we living up to the traditions of the commonwealth to the principles of the fathers in relation to the treatment of citizens of color i have observed with aching heart and agonizing spirit during the last twenty years not only the growing coldness and indifference on the part of our people to the fate of the negro elsewhere but here in our own city the breaking up of the old ties of friendship that once existed between people of color and all classes of citizens just after emancipation the gradual falling away of that sympathy and support upon which we could always confidently rely in every crisis i have watched the spirit of race prejudice raise its sinister shape in the labor market 
in the business-house the real estate exchange in public places and even in our schools colleges and churches i say all this with pain and sorrow i would be the last to soil my own nest or to utter one word that would reflect in the slightest degree upon massachusetts or her people i love inexpressibly every foot of massachusetts soil from the berkshires to essex from the capes to the islands off our southern coast i have studied her history i know her people and when i have played out the little game with destiny i want to rest upon some massachusetts hillside i can never forget the emotions that filled my breast when first i set foot in boston just a quarter of a century ago a negro lad in search of education freedom and opportunity as i walked these sacred streets i lived over the revolution i saw them peopled with the mighty men of the past i hastened to make my obeisance first to the spot where attucks fell the first martyr of the revolution i next looked out upon bunker hill where peter salem stood guard over the fallen warren i said to myself here at last no black man need be ashamed of his race here he has made history and then to scenes of still another period i turned my gaze i looked upon the narrow streets where garrison was mobbed for my sake i viewed the place where a few brave men gave shadrach to freedom and to fame the pictured walls of the old cradle of liberty seemed still to echo to the silvery tones of phillips the moulded face of governor andrew spoke a benediction i know not what record of sins awaits me in that other life but this i do know i never despised any man because he was ignorant because he was poor or because he was black i felt that here at last was liberty and here i would make my home you say to me certainly you can find no fault i gratefully acknowledge the debt which i owe the people of massachusetts but i cannot forget my brethren here i cannot forget my children too who were born here and by the blessings of god and your help i will leave to them and their children a freer and better massachusetts even than i have found her eternal vigilance is the price of liberty i want upon this day to remind massachusetts of her old ideals of liberty justice equality for all beneath her pure white flag laws customs institutions are nothing unless behind them stands a vital living throbbing public sentiment in favor of their enforcement in the spirit as well as in the letter my friends unless we can stay the rising tide of prejudice unless we can hark back to our old ideals and old faiths our very statues and memorials will some day mock us and cry shame upon us national emancipation was the culmination of a moral revolution such as the world has never seen it was not as garrison intended a peaceful revolution the unanimous verdict of an awakened national conscience thirty years of fierce agitation and fiercer politics made an appeal to arms absolutely certain a conflict of arms brought on 
by a conflict of opinion was bound to be followed by a conflict of opinion whichever side won so for fifty years since emancipation there has been more or less conflict over the negro and his place in the republic the results of that conflict have in many instances been oppressive and even disastrous to his freedom many things incidental to emancipation and vital to complete freedom are unfortunately still in the controversial stages the right of the negro to cast a ballot on the same qualifications as his other fellow-citizens is not yet conceded everywhere public sentiment has not yet caught up with the constitution nor is it in accord with the principles of true democracy the right of the negro to free access to all public places and to exact similar treatment therein is not universal in this country he is segregated by law in some sections he is segregated by custom in others he is subjected to many petty annoyances and injustices and oft-times deep humiliation solely on account of his color the explanation of this reactionary tendency sometimes given is that the negro is only a generation from slavery it should not be forgotten that individuals of every other race in history have at some time been held slaves the bondage of israel is to-day only an epic poem the greek slave adorns simply a niche in some palace of art the servii of rome instructed the masters of the world the anglo-saxon has not only worn the roman and norman collars but individuals of that race were sold as slaves in the west indies as late as the seventeenth century white men have enslaved white men black men have enslaved black men the place of human slavery in the divine economy i do not understand nor do i defend it i am glad that the human race has long since passed that stage in its development no race has a right to lord it over another or seek to degrade it because of a history of servitude all have passed through this cruel experience the history of the black race is a little more recent that is all the fact of slavery therefore should not impose the slightest limitation upon the liberty of the negro or restriction upon his rights as a man and citizen the one great phase of the race question agitating the country to-day is that of intermarriage and miscegenation it is a serious question it is a vital question no one will deny the right of any man to protect his family stock or the right of a group to preserve its racial integrity the facts show however that laws however stringent will not accomplish it i submit for the serious consideration of the american people that the only danger of infusion from the negro side is simply one thing and that is summed up in one word injustice why is it that thousands of colored men and women go over to the other side pass as we say it is for no other purpose than to escape the social ostracism and civic disabilities of the negro why is it that we see so many pathetic attempts to be white it is simply to escape injustice in a country where every opportunity is open to the white in business in society in government and the door shut against or reluctantly opened to the black the natural unconscious effort of the black is to get white where black is a badge of an inferior caste position in society 
the natural effort of the black is to find some method of escape i do not advocate intermarriage i do not defend miscegenation the same thing is true to-day as it was true in the time of lincoln in his debates with douglas in eighteen fifty eight he noted that among the free states those which make the colored man the nearest equal to the white have proportionally the fewest mulattoes the least amalgamation i submit therefore that the only sure way to put an end to this tendency or desire so far as the negro is concerned is to accord him all his public and political rights and to treat each individual upon his merits as a man and citizen according to him such recognition as his talents his genius his services to the community or the state entitles him make black brown yellow the open sesame to the same privileges and the same opportunities as the white and no one will care to become white upon this day which commemorates the emancipation of the black and the larger freedom of the white race the redemption of the state and the birth of a new nation i would bring to you a message not of blackness and despair but of hope hope triumphant hope that watts has pictured as blind with one string to her lyre that sees not the star just ahead but sits supreme at the top of the world emancipation redeemed the precious promises of the declaration of independence it rid the republic of its one great inconsistency a government of the people resting upon despotism it rescued the ship of state from the rocks of slavery and sectionalism and set her with sails full and chart and compass true once more upon the broad ocean of humanity to lead the world to the haven of true human brotherhood we have encountered storms and tempests at times the waves of race antipathy have run high and the political exigencies of the hour seem to overcast the heavens with clouds of darkness and despair yet i have never lost faith because the fathers set her course and god the master mariner has ever been at the helm in giving freedom to the slaves we ensured freedom to the free in a country where all men were free none could be slaves emancipation raised labor to its true dignity and gave a new impetus to industry commerce and civilization under free labor men of many climes have come here to help develop the natural resources of the country and the nation has entered upon a period of progress such as the world has never before witnessed in any time or place what of the negro himself has he justified emancipation the statistics of his physical intellectual and material progress are known to all he has increased his numbers nearly threefold the negro population is to-day nearly three times that of the whole country at the time of the adoption of the constitution it is nearly three times that of new england in eighteen sixty he has reduced his illiteracy to thirty per cent he owns nearly seven hundred million dollars worth of property including nearly one million homes he has shown that his tutelage in american civilization has not been vain that he could live under the most trying and oppressive conditions three milestones in his progress have been reached and passed first the north and south agree that the abolition of slavery was right and just second the people of the north and south agree that every industrial opportunity shall be given to the negro third the right of the negro to be educated and the duty of the state to see to it that he has every opportunity for education are established public opinion has settled forever the right of the negro to be free to labor and to educate 
these three things constitute no slight advance they are the fundamental rights of civilization the prophecy of lincoln has been fulfilled that emancipation would be an act which the world will forever applaud and god must forever bless moreover it should not be forgotten as bancroft the historian has said that it is in part to the aid of the negro in freedom that the country owes its success in its movement of regeneration that the world of mankind owes the continuance of the united states as an example of a republic the american negro in freedom has brought new prestige and glory to his country in many ways tanner a georgia boy is no longer a negro artist but an american artist whose works adorn the galleries of the world paul lawrence dunbar an american poet who singing songs of his race voicing its sorrows and griefs with unrivalled lyric sweetness and purity has caught the ear of the world the matchless story of booker washington the american educator is told in many tongues and in many lands the history of the world has no such chapter as the negro's fifty years of freedom the duty of the hour is to unshackle him and make him wholly free when the negro is free from the vexatious annoyances of color and has only the same problems of life as any other men his contribution to the general welfare of his country will be greater than ever before whatever be his present disadvantages and inequalities one thing is absolutely certain that nowhere else in the world does so large a number of people of african descent enjoy so many rights and privileges as here in america god has not placed these ten million here upon the american continent in the american republic for naught there must be some work for them to do he has given to each race some particular part to play in our great national drama i predict that within the next fifty years all these discriminations disfranchisements and segregation will pass away antipathy to color is not natural and the fear of ten by eighty millions of people is only a spook of politics a ghost summoned to the banquet to frighten the timid and foolish i care nothing for the past i look beyond the present i see a great country with her territory stretching from the rising to the setting sun with a climate as varied as a tropical day and an arctic night with a soil blessed by the fruits of the earth and nourished by the waters under it i see a great country tenanted by untold millions of happy healthy human beings men of every race that god has made out of one blood to inherit the earth a great human family governed by righteousness and justice not by greed and fear in which peace and happiness shall reign supreme men more and more are beginning to realize that the common origin and destiny of the human race give to each species the right to occupy the earth in peace prosperity and plenty and that the duty of each race is to promote the happiness of all the movements for social and industrial justice and the right of the people to rule are world-wide the american people are fast losing their provincial character they are to-day a great world power with interests and possessions upon every part of the globe their horizon is the world they are thinking in terms of the universe and speaking in the tongues of all men with the widening of men's visions they must realize that the basis of true democracy and human brotherhood is the common origin and destiny of the human race that we are all born alike live alike and die alike that the laws of man's existence make absolutely no distinction i wondered recently 
into westminster abbey i beheld all around me the images and effigies of the illustrious and the great kings rulers statesmen poets patriots explorers and scientists i trampled upon the graves of some i stood before the tombs of kings some dead twelve centuries there the wisest and merriest of monarchs and the most pious and dissolute of kings slept side by side as illustrating the vanity of triumphs of personal glory on one side of the chapel of henry the seventh rest mary queen of scots and almost directly opposite all that remains of elizabeth her executioner i stood before the tomb of the great napoleon i wandered through his palaces at versailles and fontainebleau with all of their magnificence and splendour and i recalled the period of his power and glory among men and yet he too died then i passed a potter's field and i looked upon the graves of the unknown graves of the pauper and the plebe and i realized that they were at last equal those who slept in valhalla and those who slept in the common burying-ground and that they would each and all hear the first or the second trump of the resurrection according to the deeds done in the body and the flesh according to whether they were good or evil in the democracy of death all are equal then men my brothers our duty is to make life in human society the same great democracy of equality of rights of privileges of opportunities for all the children of men there is nothing else worth while god grant to the american people this larger view of humanity this greater conception of human duty in a movement for democracy for social and industrial justice for the complete emancipation of the negro from the disabilities of color massachusetts must now as in the past point the way if we fail here with traditions and history such as are ours behind us can we succeed elsewhere the great emancipator speaks to us at this hour and furnishes the solution for all our race problems let us discard all this quibbling about this man and the other man this race and the other race and the other race being inferior and therefore must be placed in an inferior position let us discard all these things and unite as one people throughout this land until we shall once more stand up declaring that all men are created equal god grant that the american people year by year may grow more like lincoln in charity justice and righteousness to the end that the government of the people for the people by the people shall not perish from the earth end of section forty three